You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Welcome to the official podcast of the Milwaukee Brewers. This is Brewers on Tap. Here's the pitch. A curveball! Time to tap the keg with Lane Grindle. Hello, everybody, and welcome to episode number 165 of Brewers on Tap. Brewers sitting at 63 and 58 as they enter a pivotal, pivotal road trip through Washington, D.C., and then St. Louis before coming back home for a big homestand towards the end of August. The crew, five games above 500, they're a game and a half back of both the Cubs and the Cardinals, who are tied atop the NL Central. And, of course, they're a game and a half back of that second wild card spot as well. So the crew right in the thick of the playoff chase as we round the corner towards the second part of the month of August. Who's hot right now for the crew? Well, let's look at a couple of batters, a couple of right-handed hitters that have been hot since the All-Star break. And this has been important for the crew because of the fact that Jesus Aguilar was traded. That was a right-handed bat. The crew needed some right-handed bats to step up. They've found a couple that have certainly done that. One, not a surprise at all. That's Ryan Braun. Since the All-Star break, a 305 average, seven doubles, two triples, four home runs, and 13 RBIs. That's a 962 OPS. This really trends along the line of the 2018 season for Ryan Braun, although he had a much better first half this year than he did in 2018. Braun is having a very good second half to the season so far, really hitting left-handed pitching at a very high clip and doing a good job against the righties as well. The other one, and this has been a big development for the Brewers, and that is the offensive emergence of Manny Pena. Pena had a really tough April and a pretty tough May. Came back from the injury and really has been better ever since. But if you want to get more specific with it, since July 5th, which is right before the All-Star break, Pena's hitting 348. He has 16 hits in his last 20 games. That's just 11 starts, four doubles, three home runs, and he's driven in 12 over that span. He has an OPS north of 1,000 now at 1.018. So Manny Pena has given the Brewers some options. Left-handed pitcher on the mound, Manny Pena is usually in the lineup now for the crew. And if you want Yasmani Grandal in the lineup, then you put him at first base. That's been one of the solutions for the Brewers, especially without the right-handed bat of Jesus Aguilar. Again, to play first base, the crew has had the option of putting Yasmani Grandal at first, keep both of those bats in the lineup against left-handed pitching. Pena's been a big piece to the puzzle for the Brewers, and he's going to be a big piece of the puzzle down the stretch for the Brewers for this offense to stay hot. Here's what we have for you on Brewers on Tap this week. We're going to catch up with the crew, and we're going to talk to Devin Williams about his debut in Pittsburgh. He also made his Miller Park debut this past week. We're going to get his thoughts on what it's like to be in the big leagues. It's a great story. It's been quite a journey to get to this point for Devin Williams, and we're going to sit down with him and talk about it. Also, we're going to check in on the farm, and we're going to talk to a former teammate of Devin Williams earlier this year. That's Alec Bettinger, who had a really tough month of April and then has turned the corner and now has become one of the better pitchers in the Brewers' farm system this year. He was the Brewers' minor league pitcher of the month in the month of July. He's putting up big numbers right now. The former Virginia Cavalier. We're going to talk to him 
about his season thus far with the Biloxi Shuckers. Here are some other notes for you, though. Uh, attendance has been something that uh, has probably not gotten enough attention this year at Miller Park. 207,016 fans entered Miller Park over the course of the recently completed five-game homestand. So three with the Rangers, two with the Twins, and you were averaging 41,403 per game. That's almost averaging a sellout over that five-game series. For this season, the Brewers, well over 2.2 million fans now, fifth in the National League, and 3 million might be tough with 19 home games remaining, but getting in that 2-8 range is incredibly doable for the Brewers, and that is just a ridiculously good number for the crew. Big-time attendance this year, and if you're listening, you're clearly a Brewers fan. I'm guessing if you're listening, you've come to a game this year. If you haven't, it's because you just couldn't travel from that far away. Regardless, you're a fan. You're locked in. Do yourself a favor right now. Give yourself a pat on the back as the Brewers fans continue to amaze with their loyalty and with their passion. And it's a big reason why this organization has had the success that it's had over the last couple of years. Uh, other notes, Christian Yelich, of course, he had the back injury. Um, injury might be a strong word, more like a back issue that the Brewers wanted to manage, but he missed almost a week of games. In fact, he did miss a week of games. He played Monday against Pittsburgh, and Pittsburgh had the two home runs and then didn't really start a game again until Tuesday, the following Tuesday, against the Minnesota Twins. He did pinch hit on Sunday against the Texas Rangers. But he is back now. He's gone one for ten uh, in his return. He had the ball that, that hit off the wall and left center on Tuesday night. But getting himself back to form, and hopefully he can get going and get on another one of those really crazy hot stretches for the Brewers, because that's probably what it's going to take with this NL Central stretch uh, being so critical with the, these three teams, the Cardinals and the Cubs, and a lot of games against these two teams coming up. Uh, the Brewers will need to get hot at some point if they want to separate themselves. One, catch those two teams just a game and a half back, but catch them and then separate themselves from them a little bit. It's going to take some really good play and a big stretch at some point or in the next month and a half. And clearly we know Christian Yelich has that in him, as do many other players on this roster. But hopefully Yelich can get on one of those tears because that might be the thing that gets the Brewers over the top and gets them back into the postseason in 2019. The other big news, Aaron Perez is back. Uh, he's played in four games since his return, four for 14 at the plate. He's had a hit in every game since he's been back. He also has a double. And it's been good to see Hernan Perez asserting himself back in the clubhouse and, of course, playing a lot of shortstop, but he can play first, he can play second, he can play third, he can play in the outfield. That versatility fits this roster so well. And, again, it's another right-handed bat. Okay, let's jump into things, and let's catch up with the crew and Devin Williams. Braun sends it to left center and deep. Get up! Get up! Get out of here and go on again for Ryan Braun. He just hit another Time to catch up with the crew. Devin Williams is our guest on Brewers on Tap, and um, you've been up for a little over a week now and getting your first taste of Major League Baseball. It's been an incredible journey for you to get to this point. Have you had a chance to kind of look back on that journey and appreciate all it's taken for you to get here? Uh, I mean, a little bit, yeah, but uh, it's kind of hard to do that when you, you got to focus on, you know, the ins and outs of being here every day. So uh, I haven't really gotten too caught up in it. You uh, started the year in double-A. You come back last year at the end of the season from Tommy John, and you pitched in high A, and 
in, in, in many ways at that point. You're just trying to get back on the mound and get yourself comfortable again. The results are kind of secondary. And this year, early on, command was still getting fine-tuned. But once you got that locked in, you really took off from there. Was that, was that kind of all you were waiting for at that point early in the season? Um, it was mostly, yeah, the command and uh, just getting my confidence back. You know, after the year that I had last year, it was not very good. Like, definitely not up to my standards of the way that I want to pitch. So uh, that was the main thing. But, uh, yeah, I think the reps that I got last year and then, like, started my throwing program earlier this off season to get more comfortable with everything, I think that that's what made it all click. When the season began, did, did did you think I got a shot to make it all the way to the big leagues, or was it just about, hey, let's just get myself right and see what happens from there? I mean, yeah, that's that's the thought that I had in my head. Uh, I didn't necessarily know if it would happen or not, but, I mean, that was definitely the goal leading into the season, yeah. You you told a story, and your, your player's weekend nickname is going to be Dave, and uh, this year in Biloxi at one point, your stuff really took a jump, and somebody said during a bullpen, that, that that's not Devin, that must be a new guy, right? And so then the nickname Dave kind of came from it. Can you tell that story? Uh, yeah, it was a game in Pensacola. And it was funny, actually, because they have the way that their radar gun's set up, it's uh, it's out on the scoreboard, and then there's one, like, right behind home plate that, like, you can't help but see, like, every time you catch the ball back from the, from the catcher. And... Uh, I threw a fastball, and it, I saw the 96 up there, and I was like, eh, yeah, I got two strikes, I'm going to go for 97. And then <laughs> I hit 97, I was like, all right, well, we're, we're still ahead here. I think it might have been 1-2, and I, I was like, all right, let's go for 8. And then I hit 8, and uh, that's when they started calling me Dave. And, then, I mean, I just, I guess I figured out how to unlock that velo, and, uh, you know, it's, it's stayed since then. When somebody goes through Tommy John, it's a long, it's a it's a tiresome process of getting yourself back. But there's also a mental side of it too, and I don't know that that gets talked about as much as it should. I mean, there there's a mental process of trusting yourself again to where you can do that and say, all right, I'm going to just let it eat. Yeah, uh, I mean, it's definitely a long process to get to that point with your arm to where you're just you're comfortable enough to just let it, let it go, you know, like with full intent, but. Uh, yeah, I mean, I probably got to that point late spring training, like early in the year. You got on the mound for the first time in Pittsburgh. You get the called third strike. Uh, the changeup has played very well so far up here. Obviously, the fastball's played really well, too. What have you learned so far in your short time in the big leagues about big league hitting and how your stuff plays against them? Um, I mean, I have I have the stuff to get it out. Like I said, when I when I first got here, it all comes down to execution, honestly. And uh, I could have done a better job of that last night. But, uh, you know, it's a learning experience. When you were coming up before the Tommy John surgery, guys like Freddie Peralta, you guys were kind of peers coming up through the system together. As you saw those guys while you were rehabbing graduate and kind of get fast-tracked up here, how did that motivate you? Did that serve as a motivational thing that, hey, I was playing with that guy a couple years ago and now – He's in the big leagues. When I get back, I want to get there with him. Yeah, I mean, everybody, honestly. Everyone you see getting promoted around you just makes you want to work that much harder, you know, show that you're the one that deserves that promotion. Devin, we appreciate it. Thanks so much. Thank you.
checking in on the farm. As we go down on the farm, the San Antonio Missions had an off day on on Wednesday. They are 72 and 49 now on the year. Uh, they are still right in the thick of things in that Pacific Coast League's American Southern Division. Uh, they have fallen out of first, though. Uh, they've been in first place for a good chunk of the season. They have fallen out of first despite that 72-49 and 49 record. They, they are having a little bit of an issue right now from a pitching standpoint. A lot of the Brewers' arms have been uh, brought up from AAA. Guys like Ray Black now up from AAA. And uh, also, Birch Smith was designated for assignment, and he was claimed. So some of that rotation has been uh, pillaged a little bit, if you will, and that has meant that some young guys have had to step up. Uh, Zach Brown's going to be an important piece over the next couple of weeks as the uh, missions try to make the playoffs. Trey Shupak uh, had a rough outing on Tuesday, um, has also had a really strong outing since he's been promoted to AAA. He's going to be an important piece as well for the Brewers. Guys like Bubba Derby, they're going to need some uh, big arms to step up at, uh, with the missions if San Antonio is going to get into the postseason. Having a big year from Corey Spangenberg down there in San Antonio. Travis Shaw is back down in San Antonio as well, so uh, he may be able to get hot and carry that missions offense a little bit. David Freitas has been really good. He went 3-for-5 on Tuesday night for San Antonio. He's collected multiple hits in eight of his last nine games. He's hit safely in 10 games in a row. He's hitting 489 with four doubles, four home runs over that 10-game stretch with 15 RBIs. He has just been a big, big addition for the San Antonio Missions behind the plate this year. In AA Biloxi, the Shuckers are 73-47. and They'll play a doubleheader on Thursday. They lead the Southern League South Division. They already won the first half. So they're already going to the playoffs, and we're going to talk to Alec Bettinger coming up in just a little bit. High A Carolina, they sit at 60 and 61. Tristan Lutz has been getting it going a little bit uh, for High A Carolina. That's been really good to see on Tuesday. He went two for four, a double, drove in a run. We've seen some of that power from Tristan Lutz. It looks like he is developing and progressing at a very good pace right now for the Brewers. Bryce Terang, of course, is in High A Carolina. It's been a little bit of an adjustment after he tore up the Class A Midwest League, but that's encouraging. Some good arms down in, in Carolina with Aaron Ashby, the lefty, Noah Zavallis as well, a name to keep an eye on. And then Wisconsin in the Midwest League in Class A. They sit at 59-61 and 61 right now. They are 28-23 and 23 in the second half. That still puts them well out of reach for the playoffs right now in the Midwest League. But uh, they are having a really good second half after having a losing season in the first half, going just 31-38. and 38. They're almost back to 500 overall on the year. So that's been good to see. Max Lazar has been really good on the mound for them, among others. And then the rookie Rocky Mountain Vibes, they sit at 24-30 and 30 overall on the year. And uh, the Vibes have some good young players uh, Carlos Luna pitched very well on Tuesday, six innings, two hits, and no earned runs. Joe Gray, the second-round pick, the really athletic outfielder um, that is uh, two years removed from being drafted now, three for five with three runs and a double on Tuesday. Joe Gray is an interesting prospect, and he's one of the Brewers' top prospects right now in the system. All right, let's uh, sit down and talk to Alec Bettinger about this great season he's had with the AA Biloxi Shuckers. 
Alec Bettinger is our guest on Brewers on Tap. What a season you've put together. You were the pitcher of the month for the Brewers in the minor leagues in the month of July. And April wasn't so smooth for you, but once you kind of made your adjustment to double A, it, it, it seems like everything's kind of fallen into place for you. What, what, what's been the biggest difference from, for you from the beginning of the season? Um, I think just my mindset uh, going after hitters. I think I was a little tentative at the beginning of the season, kind of trying to feel things out. Um, and as the season progressed, I think I kind of took a more aggressive approach to pitching and just went right after guys. Quite an interesting group uh, of arms in Double A this year. You began the year with Trey Shupak there. He's now up in Triple A. Dylan Files has been moved up, and he's having a great year. Do you guys all kind of push each other a little bit? Because that's really been the bread and butter of that team. Um, yeah, uh, I think it's mostly our preparation, uh, scouting reports, uh, going over that with Bob Malacki uh, and the catchers. Um, and then I think when one starter puts a good start together, um, the other starters try and either one-up that or do just as well. Um, I think good pitching is pretty contagious, and we've done a pretty good job of that as starters. And then our bullpen has been pretty um, stellar this year as well, so... Um, just kind of putting good starts together and then able to shut it down at the end of the game. You you mentioned the catchers, and you know Max McDowell's a guy that doesn't get a lot of run um, in the media or when people start talking about prospects in the Brewers system, but he's a really solid catcher, and he's had great numbers behind the plate over the course of his career. What, what has he been like to work with? Um, we've actually uh, began a great relationship here. Uh, we're good friends. We hang out outside of the field. Um, I think if you can make your catcher your best friend, it makes it a lot easier on the field. You kind of get that um, chemistry going, and he's really good at that with all all pitchers on the staff. Um, yeah, like you said, he's a low-key guy. He doesn't like the limelight, really. So that's really what you want out of a catcher. This guy goes back there and uh, works really hard. This team's had a lot of success. The Shuckers uh, won the first half uh, right there in the, the thick of things again to win the second half. You know you're going to the postseason, which is kind of a fun feeling. Um, what what has it been about this group? I mean, you mentioned the bullpen and, and, and everything else, but do, do you feel like there's some something special about this group? Um, well, we have a lot of older guys, um, some minor league free agents that have been around for a while. Um, they've done a really good job of just keeping the clubhouse um, a good in a good environment. Um, we really don't play with a chip on our shoulder or anything like that. We just go out there and just do our best. And I think it's kind of just like a – the ragtag group of guys is kind of put together and you just have every kind of player on the team. And, um, we've been able to perform in big spots. Um, our offense has been pretty good lately. Um, and then our pitching staff has been pretty solid uh, all year round. So um, we've been, we've been really good at winning this year. You pitched in the ACC, which is one of the most competitive conferences in college baseball. You, you pitched for a great guy in terms of mentoring arms in Brian O'Connor. Uh, what was that experience like for you, being a guy that grew up in Virginia, to then pitch for Virginia and be a part of some of those great teams? Um, yeah, I mean, I followed Virginia throughout my high school career, and then I was lucky enough to get an offer from them. Um, it was a great experience. Obviously, we won the national championship in 2015. Um, but, yeah, they just produce a lot of great players, not only pitchers, but position players as well. Um, and I've seen them throughout pro ball. So pretty much any league you look in, you'll find a Virginia player. Um, and they're just really good at producing good uh, pro guys. 
Take me through your stuff. You know, what does an Alec Bettinger start look like? What's your preparation? And then as you're attacking hitters, you know, what are some of your strengths in your opinion? Um, well, every start begins with going over the lineup with uh, Bob Malacki and uh, whoever's catching me that day, um, kind of getting a feel for the hitters and what they like, what they don't like, and then kind of using my pitch mix to best match that and um, go out there and have the best outing I can. Um, I'm just trying to get ahead of guys. Once you're ahead of guys, you can kind of do what you want and uh, things go in your favor. So, um, like I said, I started attacking guys from the get-go, and that's really been a big key for me. You turned 24 a little over a month ago. Do you feel like you're kind of there now or you're on the precipice of, uh, you know, obviously you, you want to tackle AAA first, but that, you know, you can kind of taste this a little bit now that the major leagues maybe aren't that far away? Yeah, um, well, there's definitely guys on this team. and I mean, a guy like Frank Grisham was here this year, start of the year here, um, had a short stint in AAA, and now he's in the big league. So um, we can see it's, it's able to be done, um, not only for position players with pitchers. There's a couple guys who started this year, the year here, um, like Trey Shupak. He might have a shot uh, for, like, a September call-up or something like that. So you're definitely on the brink here. Um, but – I'm just trying to go out, and I think we're all just trying to go out and compete and let the chips fall where they may. Hey, there's a couple of other interesting arms down there right now in Biloxi. One's Dylan File. He's been pitching really well. And the other one's Drew Rasmussen, who his stuff has, of course, grabbed a lot of people's attention. What have you seen from those two guys? Um, well, Dylan File, he's a guy who um, really goes out there and attacks hitters. Like, his walk numbers this year are ridiculously, ridiculously low. Um He's a guy who will just go out there and he can throw everything for a strike, uh, go deep into ball games, and just really give the ball to the defense and let them do the work. And then you have Drew Rasmussen, who just has absolutely electric stuff, um, throws throws the ball really hard, uh, has two great off-speed pitches, um, and just goes out there. They're kind of polar opposites, but they both get the job done in different ways. Um, and it's really fun to watch. And like I said, once those guys go out there, and do their thing, the other starters kind of want to fall in line. Well, Alec, we appreciate it. Thanks so much, and best of luck in the postseason as well. Awesome. Thank you. Here's what's on tap. Here is what's on tap. Uh, Brewers on a six-game road trip through D.C. and St. Louis and then return to Miller Park for a homestand against the Diamondbacks and the Cardinals. Next homestand starts August 23rd, three against Arizona. Saturday the 24th is Scooby-Doo theme night. Go to Brewers.com for more details on that. Sunday the 25th is Yasmani Grandal Bobblehead Day. All ticketed fans will receive the bobble. And then the Cardinals come to town on the 26th and play three. The series concludes on August the 28th. And the crew will get on the road again, taking on the Chicago Cubs down in Wrigley for a brief three-game series. That's what looks to be on the horizon for the Brewers as this playoff chase continues. This should be a lot of fun. We're glad you joined us for episode number 165 of Brewers on Tap. We'll be back with you next week. Episode number 166, the conclusion of this road trip. How will it go for the crew? We'll fill you in on it. Join us then. Have a great one, everybody.